Ladies and gentlemen, the following podcast is set for one episode. Your host from Columbus, Ohio, is Michael Kirk. Welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast. Hello and welcome to the Outlaw Mudcast, your digital audio dirt sheet for all things Super Show. Let's kick off this week's show talking about championship matches. There was one championship match during this week. The Deep South Championship was on the line. The champion, Mac McPeak, with Eva Lionheart, the challenger, Prince Butters, using Officer Breezes. Going from memory, I believe he won this shot through a little mini tournament culminating in a triad match where he won, became the contender. They squared off in a main event stipulation match with a couple of additions. They made this match a no disqualification, no count out match. Normally, both of those things are in play in a main event stipulation. Here they were not. This ended up being about a 15 to 20 minute match. Pretty even. Prince Butters used number one contender entrance card to go grab Finger Poke of Doom, which he was able to win the first turn roll and play it. Only rolled a seven on the finish. So Mac McPeak rolls a six with a main event stipulation. It's a plus one to breakout rolls. So she immediately breaks out. Eventually it gets up to crowd meter two. Mac McPeak hits the finish. And wins. She is still the Deep South Champion. Congratulations to her. As for other championship matches coming up. The general manager, John Clace, on the most recent episode of Talk of the Universe. Made the following announcements regarding championship matches. For the LFF Trios Championship. The current champion, Lucky Cat Nico will face off against the corrugated cardboard villain. For the LFF Tornado Tag Team Championship, the champion, Hold the Line Harry, will face Lawman Nick. For the LFF United States Championship, the champion, Eddie Fury, will face Ken Fouché, the former Deep Six Champion. For the LFF Tag Team Championships, The current champions, the Dangerous Alliance, will face off against the inaugural tag team champions, Big Money. The LFF Hardcore Champion, Jeff McPeak, will face former LFF Hardcore Champion, Mark Perry. And the final announcement regarding the LFF World Heavyweight Championship, the current champion, Kirk Polka, will face... Neelan. What does this mean? Well, there's multiple people named Neelan in the game. You have Matt Neelan, former LFF Underworld Champion. You have Neil Neelan, former Midwest Coast Champion. You have Ryan Neelan. You have Mark Neelan. And based off of the Mark Nealon precedent, the precedent he set, anybody who decides to change their name to Nealon apparently gets in the mix. So, 
the general manager has left it up to the Neelands to decide which Neeland will face Kirk Polka for the belt. Again, this could be wide open because if the entire SRG community declared themselves to be Neelands, they technically would be in the mix. This is a crazy, crazy thing the general manager has done. We'll just have to see how it plays out. One championship I did not mention is the LFF Underworld Championship. Here's where we are currently with that championship. The Grump Danny Thunder has a claim at the belt. However, he will not be the next opponent for Bob Dunn. Because Bob Dunn will be at PAX Unplugged and the Grump won't be, they would like the next defense of the belt to be at PAX Unplugged. This means the general manager is either going to choose somebody at PAX Unplugged to be the contender, or he may decide to choose somebody a week or so before PAX Unplugged takes place. But that championship is still up in the air. Speaking of PAX Unplugged, there has been an announcement regarding events Obviously, there's no event Saturday night because Winter Wars Rumble is taking place Saturday night. There will be one ticketed event Friday night. So if you're going to PAX Unplugged, they would encourage you to register for that event. Even if you're not going to be able to play, the more registrations, the better. Obviously, they'd like you to play if you can. Outside of that, if there are going to be any events at PAX Unplugged, they're going to be impromptu pickup type events. I don't have any more details than that. But that's the new announcement regarding PAX Unplugged. One ticketed event Friday night. And before I move on, let me get back to championships for a second. I mentioned the LFF Hardcore Championship. Jeff McPeak defending against Mark Perry. While I was preparing to record the show, it was announced that at 8 p.m. Eastern on Sunday night, as I'm recording this, the match will happen. Mark Perry will face Jeff McPeak to see if he can become a two-time hardcore champion or to see if Jeff McPeak can have his first successful defense. I believe this is his first match since Origins. Obviously, I do not have the results at this time for the Hardcore Championship match because it hasn't yet occurred as I'm recording this. I will, at the end, add on the results of the Hardcore Championship. So you can look forward to me talking about the Hardcore Championship match. I will watch it. I will report on what happens on this episode. A couple of other minor local championship tournament notes before I move on to other SRG news. The ACCW Championship, this is based out of Atlanta, Georgia, was defended today in a main event match that went to Crowd Meter 1. We saw the current champion, Johnny Correa, using Witch Hunter General, take on the challenger, Downriver Drew, using AJ Styles, the winner at Crowd Meter 1. Johnny Korea, he's still the ACCW champion at Alternate Universe's Bluebell. 
there was a tournament to crown the next contender for the AU Championship. The finalists of this tournament were Johnny X Lombardo using the Rising Sun and Matt Vetter using Mars. They played in a very short main event match. Crowd meter zero. Johnny Lombardo hits the Rising Sun's finish, the Circle of the Sun, and his opponent is unable to kick out. Johnny Lombardo will get a shot at the AU Championship belt, either at PAX Unplugged or a tournament to be named later. Congratulations to him. Congratulations to Johnny Carita. Congratulations to Magnet Peak. That's it for championship news, with the exception of the Hardcore Championship, which I'll be bringing to you later. Let's talk about some of the new things that SRG Universe has announced for Super Show the Game. They've announced a new stipulation that's going to be coming out as part of a tournament-style box set for six players. This is similar to how the Hardcore set was released and how the Birdcage was released. This is going to have three stipulations, a ring step stipulation, a steel chair stipulation, and a kendo stick on a pole stipulation. They've given us a preview of what the kendo stick on a pole match does. I'm just going to read the card. It's going to be a no disqualification, no cannot match, with a maximum hand size of 11. At crowd meter zero, here is what the stipulation does. When you hit a card with swing, kendo stick, hit, strike, chop, or shot in the name, your opponent randomly reveals one card in their hand for each card you have in play with kendo stick in the name. Choose one of those cards and discard it. Now, does this do anything when you get to crowd meter one, two, three? We don't know. That's where it does at crowd meter zero. They've also revealed a brand new card to go along with this stipulation. It is a lead strike card number one called Swinging Kendo Stick Hit Strike Chop Shot. The text of the card is, if the crowd meter is two or greater, this card cannot be stopped. Brand new card type. We've never had a card that did this before. It will trigger the stipulation that I just read to you. Outside of that, I don't know what it does. The image of the card release does not have art with it. I believe that is something that can be commissioned in the future. They've also given an update on the Time Warp box set coming out. It's a box set they've announced will be the best starter box set since or even better than the Elf Super Ombre Snake Pit box set. There's going to be a new stop line in the set, and I believe all of the art is going to be done by Michael DeNoyer. From what I understand, this is the next Kickstarter, the Time Warp, as far as this new six-player box set. Not sure when that's coming out. Since we're talking about cards coming out, might as well talk about a, the Black Friday sale they're doing, supershowthegame.com. You can use the code BLACKFRIDAY2021 at checkout. All one word. 
Black Friday with letters, 2021, the numbers. The sale will last until 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time, Monday night. That's November 29th. It will get you 20% off everything on the website with the exception, I believe, of gift cards. There are also a number of special found items, sale items. I believe they're calling these the like Penguin Treasure Trove. These include Mr. Snap 2, Lawn Paw Connection, Drunken Zen Master, Ivalice, an Uncaged Beast Bundle, Buck Stops Here, Slingshot Stomp, a Razzle Dazzle set. I believe there's also some Joker Fish sets with these. Good deal if you're looking for certain cards. Check that out. Check out these sets. Supershowthegame.com The other thing I'll talk about is a rules update with a card recently released, Copycat. Copycat is a competitor created by Bob Dunn a flip competitor, which has the following gimmick on the starting side. Your opponent's highest skill is minus one during their turn and turn rolls. After a breakout, turn this card over. The following question came up. There are cards in the game that can reduce your opponent's skills. For example... Let's say Copycat is facing an opponent with an agility of 10. And the Copycat player plays a card like the follow-up strike at number 13, Mudhole Stomp. Mudhole Stomp says your opponent's agility is minus 1 during their turn and turn rules. When you're calculating her gimmick, does the card apply first or does the gimmick apply first? So, in this case... Copycat's facing a competitor who has an agility of 10. If you were to apply Mudhole Stomp first, that would reduce the agility to 9. This means Copycat's opponent would now have, as their highest skill, two 9s, the printed 9 and the 10 reduced, and therefore her gimmick would trigger against both 9s, giving her opponent two 8s plus the printed 8. For a total of three eights. Meaning, assuming no other skill boosts in play, if the calculation worked like that, Copycat's opponent's skills would be five, six, seven, eight, eight, eight. And if Copycat rolled nine or ten, it would be impossible, barring some boost outside of skills, for that opponent to bump or win. To answer this question, Steve Resk had Bob Dunn join him on the most recent episode of Talk of the Universe. And they talked about the intent for this card. Right away, that kind of bugs me. I'm always against sort of intent rulings. I feel like intent rulings in general kind of muddy the waters. To me, in an ideal situation, there should be certain rules that are always in place. So... No matter the competitor, the scenario, we know how things are supposed to work. When you have intent rulings, that tends to sort of go away from that. But they came up with the following ruling. 
because copycat's gimmick is designed to trigger if the opponent has multiple high skills. For example, with somebody like Mr. Pop and Twist, when Mr. Pop and Twist's gimmick is on, is triggered, he has two 10 skills. Copycat is designed, if playing against Mr. Pop and Twist, to reduce Mr. Pop and Twist's two 10s to two 9s. Other competitors, I believe Rob Van Dam can, when his gimmick is on, have two 10s. I believe that Liger, when his gimmick is on, he has two 10s. I think Snake Pit, with one of his finishers, when his gimmick's on and the finish hits, it gives him three tens. This gimmick is designed when you have multiple high skills at a 10 to reduce them to nine. However, it was nobody's intent to reduce nines to eight. Apparently, nobody ever saw the possibility that this could happen, that you could make it so an opponent had a high skill of nine and then reduce nines. They didn't want that. They didn't want it creating a negative play experience. So what they've decided to do as far as the calculation goes is this. And this is what I understand. I'm giving it to you as best I understand it. When you have two competitors, copycat and the opponent, the opponent's going to calculate their skills first. Then copycat's gimmick is going to go off and it will reduce the highest skill of the opponent and then any other card in play that reduces skills will trigger afterwards so for example using that mud hole stomp from earlier what's going to happen if copycat's player has mud hole stomp and play against the opponent and that opponent's highest skill is 10 is copycat's gimmick will go off first so the opponent's agility will be 9 during the opponent's turn and during turn rolls. Then the mud hole stomp will apply, reducing the agility again to an 8. So the gimmick, in the case of copycat, will trigger before any cards she has, her player has, that affect skills for the opponent. They did also discuss what happens when you have simultaneous triggers. For example, AJ Styles. AJ Styles has a gimmick that is plus one agility on turn rolls. This bumps the agility for AJ Styles from 9 to a 10, giving AJ Styles two 10s because the printed strike is 10 during turn rolls. The way they're going to resolve this, at least in SRG official events, is when this happens, because both gimmicks would trigger during turn rolls, there's going to be a roll-off. If the copycat player wins, then their gimmick will be considered to trigger first. So in this copycat AJ Styles example, if they both roll, skill versus skill, copycat rolls a 10, AJ Styles rolls a 5, 
copycats gimmick will go first. So the AJ Styles 10 will become a 9 during the turn roll. Then AJ Styles gimmick will kick in. The 9 will become a 10. And that's what will happen. If, however, the AJ Styles player wins the roll-off, the AJ Styles gimmick will go first. The 9, the agility, will become a 10 due to the gimmick. Copycat's gimmick will then target both 10 skills, reduce them to 9, and then that is how it will be played for the rest of the match. Now, I imagine other venues can resolve this differently. They could make them roll off each time. I also asked about cards like Leapfrog, Volley of Strikes, Clutch onto Opponent, etc. These are cards that do the same thing as AJ's gimmick. They give plus one to a skill during turn rolls. You know, what would happen if Copycat's opponent plays a card like Volley of Strikes? That would increase their 9 to a 10 during turn rolls. From what I understand, the suggested thing, the SRG thing, would be as long as that card's in play, they would make one roll. And that roll would apply as long as that card was in play the rest of the game. Now, as far as I understand, this is only applying to copycat. So this way of calculating skills is unique to her. I do not know if you can use that for other players, other situations. I wish you could. I think the ideal thing when you make a ruling is that ruling doesn't just apply to one competitor, but it's a broad ruling. From what I understand, though, this is not a broad-based ruling. This applies to copycat and copycat alone. You could certainly use it as a guide, but I do not believe it has broad-based universal applications. That's where we are right now with Copycat. In the case of Copycat, once the skills for Copycat's opponent have been determined, taking into account gimmicks and cards in play for the opponent, Copycat's gimmick will trigger first, then any cards she has in play against the opponent that affects skills will trigger subsequently. I also don't know how they're going to resolve this in multiplayer matches, what the rule's going to be going forward, but right now that's the way it's going to resolve for Copycat in that situation. Copycat's opponent, any cards Copycat's opponent has in play, that increase or decrease their skills will get applied first, then copycat's gimmick, then any cards in play that she has that increases or decreases her opponent's skills will be calculated in. The other rule change that came out, and it's not really a rule change, it's a card errata, is regarding the universal drop kick, umbrella hold, sweeping slam line. This is a line of stops at 25 through 27 that say effectively stop any printed finish grapple strike or submission. If the stopped card did not have a competitor logo or skill requirement, this card is also a finish. Apparently they printed 
and released some cards in this line that did not have the word printed and increased the crowd meter by one before triggering the finish roll portion. I believe this came into play during one of the Faction Wars 3 matches and actually gave one side that hit the, I believe it was the Universal Dropkick in this case, a victory. They've announced that for right now, for the time being, treat all of those cards as if they have the original text printed on them. So no crowd meter boost, and they only stop printed finishes. Again, not sure how something like this got past quality control. It's something that, again, SRG needs to pay attention to because it's not good that these cards get out and play and then cause people to win or lose matches, especially if they're not supposed to be in play available in the game. That, outside of the recent tournaments, is pretty much it. There is an update on the Rising Stars tournament. The Rising Stars group stage has ended. There's going to be a cut to a top 16. Undefeated players will be getting a buy into the top 16. Top seeds in the groups will get a buy into the top 16. And then you know, whatever other spaces are needed will be determined. Players can change their decks for the next round and for each round after the group stage. They have not yet announced what the first stipulation is, so I'm assuming people are going to be waiting until those get announced and maybe even their opponents get announced before they submit their deck lists. Not sure. I'll give you more information when I have it. And with that, let's talk about the recent SRG LFF online tournaments. Only two this week. We had the Proving Ground on Monday night. This was the Spite Proving Ground, where there was a special guest referee in each match, the Spite competitor and gimmick, the top four after the bullet round stage were in fourth place, playing as D1, Ronnie Rooms. I'm not sure who that is. It's a new player from what I know. In third place, Playing is Back Hurton, Jacob Denmark. In second place, playing is Mimic, Doug Saunders. And the winner, playing as the Mark, Jeff Bravo, Nick Baxter. Next week, the Proving Ground event for tomorrow night, as I record this, Monday the 29th, is going to be a Piracy Norseman event. I don't know more than that. But that's what's going on there. The other event, Thursday night, Chibi elected to not have Chibi's Thursday night fights. Instead, the Cheetah Ian Chambers held an event. Let me describe this to you. There were eight players in this event. Two groups of four, I believe. All eight, from what I understand, made the top cut. The top two in each group went into a double elimination bracket. The bottom two in each group went into a single elimination bracket. And then that was supposed to go into 
a finals and determine one winner. There ended up being, and I'm not quite sure what happened exactly, but the tournament didn't actually conclude. They didn't actually get down to a finals with one player standing. Therefore, the event ended it in a tie for first place. Again, I'm not sure how this event didn't conclude, but apparently it did not conclude. There was no finals match. Here were the two people that were awarded first place. We had, in second place, Sean Logue. The two first place players were Chris Pate and Anthony Perry. I believe Chris Pate came out of the winner's bracket. And maybe Anthony Perry was supposed to come out of the loser's bracket. I don't really know. But somehow those two were supposed to face off. They didn't. Therefore, they're tied for first place. With that, that's going to do it for the matches from last week. All that's left now, before we close out the show, is for me to give you the results from the LFF Hardcore Championship. The match ended up being a ladder match. Jeff McPeak, the champion with Pretty Boy Snow, versus Mark Perry using the Prince of Fashion. It went all the way to Crowd Meter 2. At Crowd Meter 2, Jeff McPeak. Hits his submission finish. He does not have a ladder in play. So Mark Perry will get a fourth breakout roll with a plus one to that breakout roll. However, the finish roll ends up being a 13. So even with that, Mark Perry cannot break out. The winner and still champion, Jeff McPeak. Congratulations to Mr. McPeak. Congratulations to all the winners from this past week. With that, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. Reminder, the Black Friday sale on Supershowthegame.com, as far as I know, is going until 11.59, Monday night Eastern Standard Time, all the way through Cyber Monday. The code BLACKFRIDAY2021 gets you 20% off all the purchases, except gift cards. I believe that this also includes created content. So created a competitor, create a card, all of that, also 20% off. With that, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Outlaw Mudcast. I'd like to thank all of you for listening, and good day.